Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. He enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard. You can find me on Twitter at PA Howdy. I'm here as I am every week with Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. Now formally, again, known as the NFL Draft Talker, because I see you found a way to have your cake and eat it too on Twitter, Jake. I just missed it. I just missed it. I had to get it back. I think I think we all did. Um, we normally break down one player at a time from both a film and a metrics point of view. I handle the analytics, or I try my best to anyway. Jake handles the film, and he does it very well, kind of as well as film can be done anyway. Um, but in the off-season, we're kind of varying our format a little bit because we don't know everything we need to know about rookies, and rookies are the talk of the town right now. So we've been adding more play- more than one players to every episode. Um, last week, we even talked about quarterbacks which we know we rarely do this week we're going to vary it up again and we're going to talk more about one of the things we can use to evaluate players instead of one specific player or one specific group of players so this week and since it's just happened and again it's just it's in right now and everyone's asking questions about it we're going to talk specifically more about the combine as an event how it factors into our evaluation processes or doesn't, um, and really what we think the value of it is, or how it might change or not change our ranks for different players or different positions. Um, is that about it, Jake? Is that is that what you told me to say? I forget. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. All right. <laughs> um, so the NFL Combine, like I say, it just happened, and everyone's uh, measuring and counting and suggesting that because a player can't run around a cone that he obviously can't get separation in the NFL. Now players are an inch taller. They're obviously good. Uh, they are obviously did well in college. Now they're you know an inch taller than, they, than we thought they were and stuff like that. For my part, my general take and what I spend most of my time saying when asked is that the Combine just doesn't matter. 
Um, like it, it really doesn't factor in for me a lot. Um, but you know, just for the crossroad audience, I will point out that that's a blatant lie in certain ways. It only doesn't matter if you test it specifically for how well players are going to do based on one individual stat to points per game in their first three years, which is relevant. Um, but my main logic behind it is that the players that I like, the players that are good in the NFL, look nothing like each other. To break out at such a high level, um, you're already pretty much an outlier. You can name your top 10 favorite players. They all have different 40 times. If they ran the 40, they all have different heights. They all have different weights. What I really care about is how good they are. And that's why I normally say that the combine doesn't matter. The fact that it doesn't have direct correlation to their points per game when you test it really doesn't weigh in for me. The things that actually have the most value when we try and combine metrics, like height-adjusted speed score, weight-adjusted speed score, Spark is actually fairly terrible. But it is useful for tight ends, or more useful. None of these things reach the level of predictiveness of um, any production metric that I've been talking about. Um, or, frankly, Jake's feelings uh, from watching his tape, <laughs> which is why he does well with drafts as well. So... That, that's my general stance on it. Where where are you at with the combine, Jake? Yeah, I think for the most part it gets over overrated. I think I think I mean even myself included, you get excited to watch it. You finally get to see all these prospects in the same um, situation at the same time, performing similar drills and, and um, metrics that they're getting tested on, and it's exciting to finally see these guys. And you get excited to watch it, and then. Sometimes you allow it to overtake some of your um, your thoughts about these guys and, and overreact to some of these testing numbers. And, I mean, for me personally, I'm not – I don't think the, the combine is all that important. The only thing, and we were talking before we started, is the only reason I think that it is important is because the NFL thinks it's important. You know, it, if a player tanks in certain – aspects that it can certainly affect their draft capital and draft capital is opportunity and neither of us are the biggest you know draft capital snobs but um you know it's it you can't go unwarranted if a guy's gonna fall several rounds and thus affect his um, potential to get on the field earlier so uh for the most part i think it's overrated i think people you know go nuts over these athleticism numbers and i don't think it should be moving players up that much you know like no um i think you can move players down you know if a player does really poorly i think you can move a player down um especially if we're looking at a guy that you're hoping gets drafted in like the third round and then he you know has a bad combine uh like like devin singletary is an example for me like i i was i didn't really know what to think about singletary i liked his tape I questioned his role in the NFL, and then he performed just really poorly for his size, and I think that's going to affect his draft capital. And all of a sudden, you're, you're looking from like a, you know, around three guy to what around five guy. So, uh, how often are round five running backs successful in the NFL? I, I think that's part of it. Um, so I think there's certain situations where I I think it matters, but. Overall, I think people get a little bit overdone with um, with the combine in general. But right, I mean, we we spend three weeks saying don't double count stuff, and then it happens, and we all double count stuff. Or we just overcount things we weren't expecting. Exactly. Know? Yeah, that's um, a good way of looking at it. But I mean, it, it can be confirmation bias too. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, Kelvin Harmon was a guy that 
I was lower on, I think, than a lot of people were. And, you know, his testing kind of, it, it didn't say that he's a bad player by any means, but, like, my biggest question with him was being able to separate against main coverage. And, yes, he's a good route runner, but um, I don't think he's, like, so amazing that he's just going to create separation easily just off that alone. So that's a thing that, I mean, and, again, I didn't knock him down a ton. He's pro- He probably went from wide receiver three or four to five or six. So it's not like he fell a ton, but it just kind of confirmed some of the issues that I had with his game. Um, And it is a little bit of confirmation bias against players you don't like and players that you do like. The combine can confirm or it can deny something, right? It can't can't increase something. So it's neutral or negative, just like you were saying. Like, it confirmed for you what you already thought of Harmon. And I think Mm -hmm. that's fine. Like, we have different... Uh, perspective i think i'm higher on Harmon, but i think it's fine for it to confirm mm-hmm. what you already thought like that's that's using it evenly across different positions and i think if you apply what like what you think's negative about one player if they then go and look at another player if you apply that same logic and you have to make excuses for them and you're already seeing yourself doing that you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to practice confirmation bias right um like the dirty secret of production and it's not dirty i just wrote like a 13 episode series for DLF which hopefully will come out soon and I mention it in every one that if you try to rank players in terms of trying to get the best player in the NFL from a rookie draft just by the heights of their production it, it can get pretty rough buddy <laughs> I mean you're not getting the best player in every class and that's what I mean by it not being exponential like the highest producer on his team isn't necessarily the highest producer from that class it just puts him in a more or less likely breakout group right Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes you get saved by that like uh, Sterling Shepard's production was okay and that's what he was capable of in the NFL and that's the other thing I'd say about the combine like for someone like me who doesn't grind a lot of tape that it gives, gives you an inkling of how what players have that they're using to produce and that's almost one of my best views into what they might do in the NFL even then, mostly I don't care. And, and and that's the other thing. The thresholds, like, the thing that I really don't like isn't really... Like, my problem with DK Metcalf right now is nothing to do with the player or really his potential or his evaluation. It's misusing numbers to suggest something we can't use them to suggest. Like, his agility drills don't mean he's going to be a certain type of role in the NFL. They just don't. Um, and what I've really enjoyed is actually, while a lot of people rely on numbers try to suggest that, a lot of people that watch the tape are saying, look, that's just not how he runs those routes. Testing his three-cone time doesn't tell you how he runs those types of routes. It tells you what he does when he's running a three-cone, which is something you rarely have to do on an NFL field. Um, so athleticism matters, but we're not testing the athleticism they use on the field to do their different routes. But it it does give me, as someone who doesn't run a lot of tape, some kind of inkling in their, their potential. So... I wanted to throw that out as well. Even though the combine doesn't matter, it's not like it doesn't have valuable information. It's just something I wouldn't admit outside the crossroads, to be honest. Because Twitter's not fun when you try and be reasonable. <laughs> it really isn't. Um, and the other the other thing I do with, like you said, it tells us a lot about what NFL teams would do. And yeah, it gives us the first kind of inkling about where a player might go. And like we said before we started recording, if Harry had run a 4-3 be pretty locked into him going in the first round. Now I'm more worried about the rumors that he won't 
because he didn't dazzle. Whereas Metcalf may well have locked himself into that first round draft capital. But ultimately, draft capital is going to be the draft is what's going to tell us about the draft. So right now, like I worry that because it tells us it's the first glimpse, really, of what the NFL teams might do because they do value the combine. That we overweight that it's something you have to delete, and we don't delete hope very easily. You know, I think the the common phrase that you hear from you know film evaluators is, "Oh, if a guy performs better than I expected to, I'm going to go back and watch tape." Right? Yeah, right. I'm sure you've heard that a bunch. My kind of issue with that, and this is also why I try not to listen to other people's evaluations before I get to a player. Is because once you have that premonition in your head and you go back to the tape, now you're like searching for that particular trait Mm. and you're trying to convince yourself to see that burst or that speed. And if you didn't see it on the first evaluation, I don't think you need to try to convince yourself. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Like um, I did a thread on Justice Hill this morning. And he was a guy that I I liked. You know, I thought I was pretty high on him. He was a guy that you could get in the third round. But he just destroyed the combine. And now I feel like he's going to go, like, leap up at least a round. Like, I feel like now he's he was mid-third-ish. Now he's going to be, like, middle to higher second. But, like, I, I like the player, but it was more so I liked the discount that you could get on him over, like, a Trevion Williams. And now it's like those guys have flip-flopped, and now I'm going to end up like Trevor and Williams because right. he's just going to be cheaper, to, you know? Yeah. Like, so that's the problem with this, with the with the combine. And I, I hear a lot of people, like, you hear them talk about a player one way before the combine, and then after the combine, it's like they change their evaluation of the player. Um, and you know what? I, I just like, it's not like, like Alex Barnes is a case. Like I watched his film and I was like, I don't see it with this guy. Um, again, I didn't watch as much as I, as I need to. So I need to go back in that regard just to get more data points from an evaluation standpoint. But I don't want to, you know, just fall in love with him, go back and just be like, Oh, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a really good athlete, size adjusted athlete. And now I, I, I have to like him because he performed well in the combine. It's like your first instinct. Like, I always bring it back to, like, golf, right? So, and really it's any sport, but, like, your first instinct with club selection or your target or whatever you're trying to do athletically is generally your first instinct. You don't want to second guess yourself and then you get confused and then you don't commit to something, right? Right. So, even if I'm wrong, I want to be committed on my first instinct, on my evaluation process, then... You get wishy-washy, and then I don't even know. And again, that goes back to, like, I don't want to listen to other people's evaluation too much because then I get prejudiced to what they see, and then I try to see what they see out of a player. I want to watch it with my own fresh eyes. And I had a good conversation with Joe Pano, um, who writes for TQE. Um, You know, he's a good dude and and a good evaluator mixed between film and analytics. Um, And, you know, we had the same kind of conversation. Like, he was... He's a little bit late to the rookie evaluation, so he's like, listen, I almost like, I don't want to hear what you think about these guys because I don't want, you know, that bias to get subconsciously into my evaluation process. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's also difficult when you start switching positions. Like, one thing I can say is that how athletic a player is or some of the um, testing for running backs and tight ends matters more 
partly because we just have less data on them um, in what they do in college. Like you said, you can't have as many running backs getting as much volume as you can wide receivers in college, and so you're just always going to have less data. And it's the same with tight ends, where so many break out late, even in college, or even start playing late. You just tend to have to rely on more. And also as a more physical position, not a more physical position, but a position that some of those tests... And can lead you to in a better direction. But the thing with that is I got very obsessed with that, especially when I first started writing articles and was tackling running back. Because it was more important, I kind of went all in on it. And the fact that if you if you go all in on uh, physical ability for running backs, you end up with a lot of problems. <laughs> it doesn't rank them in the same way that production can't rank them, right? Just because you're the most athletic doesn't mean you're the best running back. Dalvin Cook not the most athletic for purely athletic testing, is clearly a lot better than others that did well at him um, on the field. And so it can cause problems like that. Tight ends even more difficult. Like even Spark, which is essentially useful, useless for predicting fantasy points in the first three years, um, it's actually fairly good, according to Michael Zingoni or F.F. Zinger on Twitter, uh, at evaluating tight ends as prospects. We're actually hoping to get him on the show next week, so maybe he can tell us a little bit more about that. It's just a very different process than you, because you're watching players and immediately, um, not immediately, but after a long amount of time and effort, uh, coming up with an opinion of what type of player you think they are. My first step is to sort them into likelihood based on how good they were compared to other players in the NFL when they were in college. And so I end up like I know that right now I know who is in the highest likelihood bracket who is in the second who is in the third and what the combine does for me then like I was saying it's my first real glimpse at what type of player how they might have been producing it is it sorts them within those groups right this guy is more athletic he might have a higher upside like the combine isn't great at that but because I've got a separate process and I've already got the players kind of in these different categories and then often they overlap like I'm trying to think of a good example on no run to mime right now like Keelan Doss I think his name right now based on purely on his production or Ashton Ashland Doolan since he's been on the podcast before he's in that high likelihood group because of his phenomenal production at a lower conference so if he didn't test highly in his athletic testing then he would have to drop to the bottom of that that high likelihood group because that's just a ding on him uh, and I already know he's in a lower conference last year Michael Gallup was in that highest likelihood to break out category and Traquan Smith wasn't but based on landings I like line those two groups up next to each other and I still wanted Traquan Smith over Gallup even though Gallup was technically more like and so it's a little bit of a sort once sort twice process for me and so it's a little hard to directly compare it to what you're going through with confirming and denying what you already think so it was actually on uh the Roto Underworld um podcast and my question when I was listening to that is and you might not know, and I don't. I don't think you even agree. But um, it was the Paris Campbell versus Hakeem Butler. You know, oh, right. those guys were. You know, Matt was bashing. Uh, you know, really doesn't like Hakeem Butler, right? Right. But he loves Paris Campbell. But it's. It felt like he was using counting stance for Campbell because neither of them broke out until their final year, and. Butler's dominator rating, right? Like what he did his final year was much better yeah. than what Campbell did his final year. So it just felt like why you why would if you're using that process, and obviously I know Campbell blew up the combine, but why would you really dislike Butler 
and really like Campbell? It's a really good question. I've been really interested. Like the Paris Campbell thing is partly from the breakout finder, from if I remember right, like Nate um at an outraged Jew who's on the Sonic Truth pod with Matt Kelly. He's right. created the breakout finder specifically, I think, for wide receivers. And um like a lot of the players he likes from the breakout finder I like. So I, I can I can estimate a certain amount of production metrics that he's got included in that. Paris Campbell looked bad to me. Like I think he's one of the players I, I went through his that's what I was that's what I was curious about. So yeah, I, I was really curious about that as well. I can't find something that would put Paris Campbell like in the top ten and they're really They were talking like top top five, top four, I believe. Yeah that's left me curious as well like um okay i just was wondering if you had any insight to why that would be like if because i know paris campbell's counting stats were really good this year but like you've mentioned his market share was like just over the precipice of 20 percent, right. right so and what did what butler's was like 40 in his right? last year over 40 percent. which actually and i don't know if this is a good or a bad thing but one thing i said about butler is underproductive players and his overall profile is underproductive but that last year like boosts up his college dominator and makes him look good in a number of different ways um not in the most likely category for me but still um mm-hmm. and he compares to like brandon marshall and andre johnson players who did basically exactly that blew up in their last year now lots of those older prospects like prospects from a long time ago or longer time ago so i don't know mm-hmm. if that's a changing nature of the nfl or college and i don't know if it's a good thing that he compares to other players like is it good or bad to compare to an outlier i'm not entirely sure logically i think not but um i've been lower on butler the one thing i'd say that i do know about where did he play um i seem to remember i'm talking about um iowa state other players on his team did he have a lot of nfl talent with him or something no he had alan lazard last year Uh, oh come on travis may had it i mean again this is a narrative Mm -hmm. i think some narratives are you know important um you know it and I'm sure you, you don't care because <laughs> you don't like hardworking America. But, <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> of course not. I hate those guys. But um, basically, Butler, you know, just started playing wide receiver like his senior year of high school. And, I, and again, this is maybe not entirely correct, but I'm going off the top of my right. head of what the story was. Um, but Butler was basically, you know, didn't start playing wide receiver until like senior year of high school. And then he transferred all the way across the country. And then I believe a close-knit family member, maybe his mother, passed away a couple years ago. Basically, he was late to the game. So that would, you know, make sense that he was... And it it was also talked about Iowa State's scheme, I guess. You know, similar to, like, Old Miss gets ragged on for their bland scheme, which I I agree with personally. But there was was some stuff that that made some sense for me. Um, with why Butler took so long to break out. Um, so not that you can really quantify right. that, but that that was a story that I heard that I was like, well, that does make some sense, you know, like why he would be a, a later breakout. Yeah, despite the fact I hate hardworking American blue-collar people, I, 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 I like <laughs> knowing that story, right? Um, and the fact that he did, you know, develop at the age 22 and had that phenomenal over 40% of his team's receiving yard season. Um, like I say, I like that. I would have Butler over Campbell, for example. Um, you said Lazard played with Campbell. Right. Yeah, I, I right. can see how you can make a story to believe in. And like people have asked me on Twitter, I just really like the way this guy looks. I like his overall profile. Am I crazy to take him? And I'm like, no, man. I mean, you know all the information. You have it. 
as long as you've listened instead of shouted. And then you know what his prediction was, that he was good in his last year, that he has this story, but it doesn't matter. Then take your shot. And I guess I'd say the same with Campbell, but I don't know what, like, the breakout finder, and I feel a little bit like it, I do with you, frankly. I don't have the same process. It not Sometimes it doesn't match up for mine. I'm not going to say, therefore, it's terrible. Because you hit on a lot of players, like, and Matt Kelly is for sure, <laughs> and so is Nate, hit on a lot of players I never would have. So I don't know what it is, but to me, I can't find it. I'm really curious about it. I listened to that episode, and they talked about him earlier as well, with a great deal of interest. Because um, Right, before the combine, they right. liked him. So. so Nate's got something that I don't, which is not surprising at all. And it really likes Paris Campbell. I thought it was teammate score or something like that, because that's something that I don't have. But if you're telling me that there's no one else um, on his team that was particularly interesting, I don't know what it was. So Benjamin Victor, Trevor Grimes, Antonio Williams, running back. Terry, Mc- Terry McLaurin. You, I mean, he, you know, he had a good combine. He's kind of a burner. I wouldn't say that they had no talent there. Um, I also wouldn't say that they had so much talent there that that uh, Campbell couldn't produce. Right. Yeah, I mean, for for me, Campbell feels like a. I mean, I think Curtis Samuel was even a more interesting prospect than Campbell was. And That's I think the other guy, right? Sorry. They're they're gonna they're somewhat similar players, you know. Like um, I do think they're kind of gadget guys. They're both really good in space, but you kind of you got to get them the ball. You know, they they did a lot of reverses, um, a lot of slants to get them in open field. And again, not that you can't do that in the NFL. Um, I don't know. I just he's a, he's a guy that I'm not gonna be on as high on as comparing him to Curtis Samuel, who I liked uh, as a later, not the first group, second group, maybe prospect in terms of likelihood. He hit thirty. 31% of his team's receiving yards at age 19, which is really good. Campbell didn't get within 10% of that in his best year at an older age when you expect more. Like, this class is, in, like, I know we're down on the class and everything, and I've actually started to argue that draft picks actually might be more of a target for me this year because they're coming cheaper and they're always good players. Almost always. But this class is also interesting because of that. Like, guys who are normally on the same page that use production metrics that are, or that use tape are on wildly different pages, um, often on the same player. Like, you and Zach, frankly, being on... Di- slightly, to be fair, because I don't want to try starting mm-hmm. a fight because he's accused me of trying to start fights. But you're on slightly <laughs> different pages with Metcalf. And that's, a, that's not yeah. surprising because people come to different conclusions. But like, um, Yeah, I think I might be a little bit riskier with my player evaluation. Um, and I'm not saying other people don't do this. And I'm not saying um, like I have a special eye for it by any means. But like, and it's, it's a difficult task and it's really hard to measure. But what I'm trying to do, projecting how their traits are going to look in the NFL when this, when the talent gets a much stiffer, right. you know, when the talent gets that much better, how do we project these guys? Are they going to be able to win in the same kind of ways? And that's my big issue with AJ Brown as well is, but I just don't see, I just don't see him separate um, from tight man coverage. And, when you know the the corners playing ten yards off, I just don't see how that's difficult to create space. <laughs> like basically, right. you know, he's running these little hitch routes and these these slants with nobody challenging him. And on the few press snaps that I do see him get faced against, I don't see him get targets. I don't see him get separation. So for me, I think he's going to see more of that. I don't think he's as well rounded as some people think he is. 
Um, and again, he's a good player, but I just I'm trying to project how their traits are going to project to the next level, and that's why I like DKs because I think where he wins is the elite. Now, is he a perfect prospect? No, but that those kind of traits can win anywhere, and that's all why I also think that he has a better chance of overcoming a bad situation than any of these other wide receivers. I get what you're saying. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think he has the requisite talent to overcome some bad situation. Like, we all like to be contrarian. Frankly, I think that at the end of the day, we want to be on a play and no one else is on and get it right. I think that's the root of it. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's no fun to jump up and down on a play. And something I just said um another podcast is um not that i was cheating on you but um is if if anything significant about the combine and since everyone's jumping up and down on metcalf's agility let's point out that to get the other scores that he did i don't care how naturally athletic he is but to get the scores that he did versus you know everyone else has ever done the combine that guy worked his he worked his ass off i'm sorry i i don't know if that's any more significant than 40 time but if i'm gonna take it that has as much significance for me on that factor as anything else and also i think what also is not is not fair and it's not necessarily you know the people that didn't do the agility drills like they didn't do them so they're saving a lot of face and scrutiny that they may have gotten if they didn't perform well but now it's all on dk because he's one of the very few wide receivers that actually tested in that regard so if anybody else tested bad and now all of a sudden i'm hearing like, and I never heard it before. Like, I heard that DK was maybe a not great route runner because he didn't ask to run a lot of routes at Old Miss. But now all of a sudden, all I'm hearing is how stiff he is and how bad his feet are. And I posted, you know, one of his routes at the combine, and it was a speed in-break route. I don't see that be like, for his size and his profile, I think that's really athletic, and I don't see him being horribly stiff in his hips and his feet, but yet because of the the three-cone and short shot, all of a sudden he's like this really stiff guy that can't get in and out of breaks whatsoever. All right. Um, yeah, I can't wait for the draft. Can't wait till next week um, when he better come on now because I mentioned it twice when um, uh, Michael Zingoni, um, F.S. Zinger, comes on. And hopefully explains stuff that we don't know. Uh, so, um, looking forward to next week. Thanks for joining us here at the Crossroads. I've really enjoyed it, as I really do every week. And I will talk to you again next week. Later. You're at the Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. The Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. Jake just grinds that tape It's the Dynasty Crossroads Where film is everything The Dynasty Crossroads Where numbers are the king There may not be consensus But we'll give you everything sure you you don't care because you don't like hard-working americans of course of course not i hate those guys